Welcome to Movie Ketchup, a podcast where two best pals serve up movie reviews with a side of desperation. I'm Leanne. And I'm Greg. For this episode, we're watching a movie that is completely new to both of us. The 2019 coming-of-age movie, Booksmart. This movie is a directorial debut for Olivia Wilde and was written by Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins, a writing team who have primarily written for TV, including the show Infomania, Blackish, and Good Girls, as a tomato meter rating of 96% critic and 77% audience. The movie stars Caitlin Dever as Amy, Beanie Feldstein as Molly, Jessica Williams, Jason Sudeikis, Lisa Kudrow, Will Forte, Victoria Ruegsa, Mason Gooding, Skylar Gizondo, Diane Silvers, Molly Gordon, Billy Lord, Eduardo Franco, Nico Higara, and Austin Crute. Uh, the premise is academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realized that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night, a chaotic adventure that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. And the tagline for this movie is, Getting straight A's, giving zero F's. And I have to say that that tagline is fucking incredible. It is <laughs> super good. Yeah, we don't get a lot of good taglines in a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, this just it's very appropriate for this movie. I love it a lot. Nobody knows that we are fun. We know. They need to know. Who is they? We are not one-dimensional. We are smart and fun. We have to do this. This is crazy. We graduate tomorrow. What if we get in trouble? You know that we are too smart for that. Plus, Ryan is going to be there. She wanted you to come. You're finally going to make your moves. No, she's not. You've been out for two years and you never kissed a girl. I want you to experience this. What will I be doing during that time, you might ask? I'm going to experience a seminal fun anecdote, and we are going to change our stories forever. So this is a movie that I've had on my radar since it was released in 2019. There was a lot of buzz about it, about Olivia Wilde as a director, just about the movie in general. So it's been something that I've been wanting to watch for quite a while. And I've had it on my list on Prime for several months now. So I'm glad that I've gotten to check it off my list finally. Well, I remember you mentioned it. Yeah, several times. Like it's been a movie that's been every time it comes around to this, it's like, oh, we should watch Booksmart. Oh, we should watch Booksmart. And it just kind of kept falling down the list. Yeah, well, there are a lot of movies that I haven't seen or movies that you haven't seen, but I want you to watch. So when it comes to, yeah. to picking what we're going to talk about or what we want to watch, that always kind of gets pushed aside. But no more. It's a good, good candidate for when we start doing movies that we both haven't seen, which is a very exciting thing to do because there is a lot on that list as well. Yeah, um, I enjoyed this movie a lot. Pretty much from the opening scene where Amy arrives to pick up Molly for school and they're just like having a dance party in front of their car in front of Molly's apartment. And it's just like this whole thing's a lot of fun. And I wasn't really sure sort of what to expect, but I had a lot of laugh out loud moments and I, I just really enjoyed it. What were your sort of initial impressions of it on uh, your first watch? Um, so I watched this more or less twice. I skipped a few scenes the second time, but um, the first time I watched it, I, I couldn't help but figure like, oh, maybe am I, am I in a mood? Because I'm just like not clicking with this. Like I was having trouble focusing. 
Um, I was getting a little antsy at parts and it just, it never fully clicked. Like I was enjoying a lot of it, but at the same time, I just kept thinking like, I'm supposed to be liking this. Like the, everything on paper here is like a movie I would really like. And I know you mentioned how much you liked it. I'm like, oh, I should like this more, shouldn't I? And then I went back and watched it a second time and I did enjoy it a lot more that time, but it still never quite fully clicked for me. It kind of had the, the bridesmaid effect on me where like, Everyone I knew watched Bridesmaids. Everyone who told me I was going to love it so much and that it was like this movie. And then I watched it. I was like, oh, I don't know. It's not for me. And I think a lot of this is just not my kind of movie in a lot of ways. Not that it's bad, but it just like didn't fully click with me. That said, I thought it was still a really well done movie. And there's a lot in here that really worked for me. And I thought more movies like this about high school rather than... A lot of the drivel we've been getting on Netflix recently would be great. <laughs> I will say that this movie reminds me a lot of the 2007 movie Superbad, which really has a similar yeah, premise. Yeah, and I also hate that movie. So. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't love Superbad. It's a similar premise, but it deals with it in a different yeah, way. But it is oh, about sure. two best friends who are in their last year of high school, and they're grappling with the fact that, you know, they're going to be away from each other as they go away to school and just sort of like growing apart. And they also go through this whole journey full of shenanigan as they are on their way to a party. So a lot of similarities there. But one of the things about Booksmart is Molly is the student class president. And one of the things that they implemented is that you're not supposed to share where you're going to university the following year because they don't want anybody to feel bad about somebody going to a better school. And then Molly has an altercation with a girl in the bathroom who also reveals that she's going to Yale where Molly is going. And Molly's world kind of implodes on itself because she spent all of these years of high school with her nose in a book, focusing so much on like achieving her goals of, you know, she talks at one point about becoming the youngest Supreme Court justice. And that meant making a lot of sacrifices in terms of social activities. And then she goes from person to person, sort of like in a panic, asking them, you know, where they're going to school. And she finds out that a lot of people are going to, they're going to Stanford and they're going to Georgetown, all of these like really prestigious schools. Yeah. Um, people who are like States. complete burnouts in her eyes that like, she just expected to go nowhere. Yeah. And I think that's a really significant thing to realize that, you know, people that you may not expect are maybe just as smart as you are, even if they don't apply themselves in the same way that you do. I know that we've talked in the past about not really being able to connect to stories about school in the United States because the way things are, are in Canada is so different. Like there's not really like prestige schools in Canada. Like I don't think there's really anywhere that people would be like, oh, mm. you shouldn't go there. It's like really dependent I, on I got what a little bit of study. that in my school. I don't know if, what it was like for you, but for me, I, I relate to this a little bit, much, much less of a scale. But I remember there was the people that like got into like UBC out here, which is like, I consider like the best school out here for a lot of people. And then a lot of people went to SFU. And then if you went to anywhere else, like Victoria or UFE or something, that was seen as like an easier school to get into like less of an achievement. It's like UVic is an easier school to get into. Really? That's bizarre. But I mean, like we don't have like Ivy League schools in Canada. No, we don't have Ivy League, but there's like schools that are very hard to get into. And then there's all the community colleges and things like that that people were getting into. And my, my class was very small. 
So I had about mm-hmm. less than 30 people, and there's like the handful of the really, really, really smart kids all went to UBC or SFU, and then there's a bunch of us that went to UFV, a bunch of us that got into like community colleges, and the people that didn't go to school, and it was like very seen as that ranking. Like that was the ranking. I know a couple people went to UVic. I don't know if that was, I don't know too much about it. I know it's like a pretty good school still. Yeah, but I mean, even like, not even just within the province, like even across Canada, it's, it's not like, like if Harvard you go to or Yale or something. No. Yeah. But there is tiers of schools. Like, it's very clear that there's tiers of difficulty to get into still. Yeah, but I mean, like, in terms of like the overall quality of education and everything, that's like, depending on what you are going for, really is more related to your choice of school as not so much like the prestige of the school you're going to. But of course, as you said, you know, depending on what sort of social circle you're in, that could be different. I still related to this heavily because of that, though. Like, I remember being at school and like when people were finding out what they got into and like the jealousy and like there was like that air of I'm better than you from certain people. Like it was still there. Yeah. Anyway, so after she finds this out, she decides that, you know, it's the day before they're graduating They've spent so much time sacrificing for their social life, and there's a big party that's going on, and they have to go. And Amy is kind of reluctant. She's supposed to be taking the summer to go to Botswana, where she's going to be working with women there to like make tampons. And then she's going to be going to Colombia, and then we find out later in the movie that she's actually taking a gap year, which is a big deal for these two friends who have essentially had their lives run parallel the whole time like they're incredibly incredibly close you know they're each other's hype women just very supportive sort of i would say bordering on codependency but i think in reality they are just sort of fully outright codependent on each other it seems very sim- very much though that it is it, it seems like a very one-way relationship in a lot of ways though it doesn't seem super codependent like equally it seems very much that molly is taking amy along with her almost in a lot of ways, as like her little pet that she is like, everything that she is into, Amy needs to be into. Everything that she wants to do, Amy needs to want to do. And that comes out later in the movie that like, Amy's felt like she couldn't speak up about a lot of these things, which is very similar to how some of my friendships went down in high school, where it's like, mm-hmm. this is the movie we're going to see this week. This is the new hobby we're into. This is the new ex. And like, you just follow them because that's how the relationship goes. Yeah. I thought that the argument that they have, which seems like it could potentially be the end of a friendship was really interesting because everything leading up to them getting to this one party, because in reality, they go to a few parties along the way as they are trying to get to their final destination. is like all of these little small things that built up to, you know, this explosion of obviously feelings that have been building for a long time, but never had an opportunity for an outlet. And it's such an an awkward location to have an argument like that. Like there's definitely a few of their classmates who are recording it on their phones and there's no evidence that that gets disseminated to anybody else. But regardless to have a very emotional outburst with your best friend in front of everybody is not ideal. Well, what were some of the things that you did like, if anything, about the movie? There was a lot I liked. For me, I I liked a lot of things in pieces, like together, everything didn't work perfectly for me. But when I dissect, when you dissect a lot of this stuff in here, a lot of it's very good. Some of my highlights were definitely Billy Lord as the chaotic energy of Gigi, who is so great, worked really well for me because every time they stumble upon a new party on their way to try and get to this end game, end goal party at, um, at Nick's house or Nick's aunt's place. 
Gigi is at every party along the way there, and she just keeps showing up at every new party they stumble upon, and they're like, how did you get here? What are you doing? And she is just so chaotic. She is at a 12 when everyone else is at like a 9 or a 10. She's just that little bit extra. And she's so good at the physical comedy and just comedy in general. She's very similar in this movie to her character in Screen Queens. Kind of. In Screen Queens, she's very subdued, though. Like, she's very soft-spoken in a lot of ways, but with that crazy... She's always saying crazy things, but she's not, like, over the top. Yeah, she's always saying these non-sequiturs that people are like, okay... Can we just talk about her entrance for a minute, where the first time we see her on screen, she's like halfway hanging out of Jared's car. Uh, I didn't make a note of what the song was that was playing. I should have. But, you know, it's like the slow motion scene of her hanging out of the car. And it's just incredible. And then, of course, you know, two seconds later, she's climbing out of the window because he's screaming at Jared about not driving her closer to the door and everything. It's just a great character introduction. I like what they did with her because like when she shows up at that first scene, Molly makes her mark, oh, here comes the 1% because she's there. Yeah. uh, Her and Jared are obviously from very wealthy families, but they're not the popular kids at school. They're very much outcasts. Like, Gigi and Jared are viewed as kind of losers, loners. There's all these stories people tell about them. Like, they always, t- uh, this story of Jared, like, oh yeah, on his 14th birthday, his dad bought him a, like a, an escort and like this weird story that goes down. And they're viewed as like kind of freaks as well, uh, which was interesting that in a lot of other movies, they would have been like the popular kids. I get the impression that Gigi is generally very well liked and her friendship with Jared is considered a little bit strange. But Jared is... It seems like, from what they mention in the movie, that they're really their only friends. Like, Gigi and Jared are inseparable. They're very much compared to the Molly and mm-hmm. Amy relationship. Molly even says, oh, they're so... They, they're only friends with each other, or something along that lines. And Amy goes, that's... Or they spend all their time with each other as, like, a derogatory mark. And Amy turns yeah. and says, that's what we do. And so there's a little bit of a foil there. I got the vibes that, like, while Gigi showed up everywhere and was kind of friendly with everyone... No one really hung out with Gigi. She was viewed as like that freak kind of in a lot of ways. She was too yeah. crazy. And it was really only Jared that got her energy and got where she was yeah. coming from. And Jared, conversely, is, you know, he's very awkward and he's a massive tryhard. He's constantly buying very expensive things for his classmates. Like he buys all of these gift bags. He throws this big boat party that nobody comes to. And, you know, Molly tells him, at one point that, you know, you can't buy people's affection, which is a revelation to him because like, well, like, that's what my parents do. And that's what their parents did. So like, that doesn't sound true yeah. to me. But I mean, context is important, you know, when you're trying to buy friends and your teenagers, like, they tend to know about your motivations a little bit more. And I think adults tend to be a little bit more cynical and are more likely to be responsive to that. I don't know. I don't know, but I liked I liked Jared a lot, despite the fact that, you know, he was trying really hard. He was a good... He was one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's good comic relief. Him and Gigi. He plays kind of a similar character in the Netflix series uh, Santa Clarita Diet, which is where I'm most familiar with him. He's, like, very nerdy, but he's also, like, very much a people pleaser in that way. So not, like, one-to-one, but very similar for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... The conversation that Jared has with Molly towards the end, where he finally kind of opens up a bit, explaining the things no one sees about him, because everyone sees this surface level, but behind all that, he's really 
wants to design airplanes and fun musicals fun musicals like he's really into musical theater and and he's such a nerd in a lot of ways and the way that he connects to Gigi and the way he explains that she's really kind of damaged and sad and broken and that she's always there for him she's the most loyal person he's ever met and that their kind of weird relationship works in a similar way to Amy and Molly I thought that kind of foil there was really interesting Mm -hmm. and cool how like Obviously, the relationship's not perfect, but that's the one go-to person you have in your life that you know is going to be there for you. And how Molly never saw it that way, looking at from the outside. And one of the themes in this movie that worked, that the the theme that worked really well for me in this was the like don't judge a book by its cover type of a theme. How everyone had their high school stereotype. Mm-hmm. Everyone thought a certain thing about Molly. Uh, everyone thought a certain thing about Amy and and all the other characters, mm-hmm. right? Even Ryan, who is this, like, uh, the girl that Amy is really falling for, who's this very butch-presenting skateboard chick, and they they just assume she's gay. Like, everyone just assumes all these things about everyone. And then when you start to get to know them better, everyone's just really complex in a lot of different ways, is into different things. And it it was just really cool seeing that all unravel, especially the conversation. The other conversation I really liked was with a girl known as Triple A. Yeah. I didn't even grab her real name because it's not even on IMDb. She's just called AAA. Her real name is Annabelle. Annabelle. Uh, the scene she has with Molly is also really great. Yeah, I mean, she gets this nickname because she picked up a couple of guys to give them a ride home. But she admits also, you know, she did hook up with them in cars and she justifies cars are a convenient place to hook up and she doesn't want to you know, be caught giving blowjobs in her bedroom at home, like where her parents could find her. So... Um, you know, she expected that guys would give her a stupid name or say derogatory things about her, but she's legitimately hurt that girls also sort of pile onto mm-hmm. this nickname that she's been given. And yeah, it was a really good moment, yeah. just like a nice revealing moment. But also like, you know, I get it. Like, if that's what you're into, like, I totally see what she means about, you know, you don't want to be at home doing things if Especially yeah. the fact that she wants to be able to enjoy the act that she's doing. So, And it was just like the whole nickname was given very out of context, which is a lot of the point, too, that it's like she wasn't just like giving random guys blowjobs inside of the road. It's like she was picking some guys up sometimes that needed a ride. And like this is also like that wasn't like super related necessarily to her getting this nickname. And it was just very unfair. It seemed like that she got stuck with this. She's also the girl that... Uh, Molly confronts in the bathroom at the beginning of the movie who is going to Yale alongside her. So it was yeah. nice having that come back towards the end where they, they're having a conversation. Like at first she says, if I see you at Yale next year, I'm just going to pretend I don't know you. But by the end of this movie, they've kind of broken down some of those barriers. And she says, just don't call me AAA when we see each other at Yale type of thing. And There seems to be an acknowledgement at that point. One thing that I really liked about this movie is when they eventually arrive at Nick's party, everybody there is legitimately excited that they have come out, uh, acknowledges that they've been wanting them to come out on the weekend for a long time. Like they don't really know anything about them. And they're all very interested in the fact that they're actually legitimately funny and cool people to hang out with. But the only context they have for them are these very bookish isolated people at school because a lot of the time in movies like this you know usually the main characters are not liked and then it's like they have a couple of people that they connect with or whatever but everybody in this movie just seemed to be like very excited that they were finally you know acting like a normal teenager so that was just a a nice high point for me 
Honestly, that kind of bugged me a little bit. I think largely because it seemed like up to this point, they couldn't get to the party because no one wanted to give them the information of where the party was. Everyone they were contacting wasn't telling them where the party was, and it just seemed like it was such a struggle for them to get to a party, and then they get there in the end, and everyone's like, oh, hey, you made it finally. It's like, okay, this is 2019, the graduating class of 2019. They would have been able to find out where this party is, especially if everyone there was, like, chill with them being there and wanted them to be there. It's social. Everyone has a million social media accounts. Everyone can contact everyone. So it was just so weird to me that they had to jump through 20 hoops to get to this party in 2019. Like that really, honestly. And then they get there and I'm like, why is everyone just like, oh, hey, you're finally here. Come have some drinks. It's like, what? (laughs) That was weird to me. Like, I thought it was just weird. They were tracking people's social media to like, see what was happening at the party but it's not like people were posting the address and amy but makes the point that like a lot of these people of there to ask but amy points out that nobody is responding because you know none of these people have ever been contacted by them outside of an academic context before so they probably assume it's about school and they don't want to talk about school the night before graduation so i mean there's <sighs> justification within the narrative seems, to support you know in 2019 it just it seemed very odd to me that these two people with all these seeming connections, they got in touch with all these other people. It's like, it seems weird that they couldn't figure out where a very obvious party is if everyone there was totally chill with them coming. And I get like the obstacle that they have to jump through all the hoops together. It's what the movie is about. But then for them to get there and it not even be, I what I expected it to be was like, they get there, people are like, oh, I didn't think you would show up. And then slowly they like open up to them and like, oh, now we realize that you're not exactly who we thought you were. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It it was a little bit of a weird point for me, just because it seemed like there was a large sticking point about them not being able to contact anyone. It's like, you can, you have th- 30 million social media accounts, like, and everyone's on every social media ever. And if you can, like, watch all the videos of this, and, like, you have to track down the pizza delivery place that delivered pizzas to find your way here, it just seemed like there would be an easier way in, like, with modern technology. Honestly, the most unrealistic thing to me is having literally every number for people who are in your grade. Like, unless I'm friends with people, you're not going to have my number, so... It seemed like they had everyone's on, like, various social media accounts more than numbers. I don't know, it was unclear, but it just seems that being able to be in contact with everybody like that was just the most unrealistic part for me, but... Yeah, just just like talking to my niece a lot, who graduated a year or two ago, like, she was always in contact with, like, literally everyone from her massive school, even though she didn't know because, like, you've got these a million people on Instagram and Snapchat and all these other places, and then it's just, like, everyone's commenting on everyone's photos, and it's, like, such a, like, there's this own little bubble of social media that's just dedicated to your high school, basically, and even if you're not directly following X other people, some of your friends are following their friends, which are following their friends, and then everyone's connected, and, like, everyone's gonna have all their DMs open, and everyone's always gonna have their phone on them, always checking it. It was also weird that her phone was, like, nearly dead. I don't know. Everybody's phone is always nearly dead in every friggin' TV show or movie. Like, nobody ever goes out with their phone charged. I don't know many teenagers that don't have that on lock. Like, their phone's yeah. their life. Their phone running out of battery, they might as well slit their throat. Like, like that is death. <laughs> That's dark. <laughs> they don't have a battery bank in their purse or something? Like, Yeah. I mean, to be honest, when they are in the lift, they're watching porn on yeah. Molly's phone, and that drains her battery. She like, so. says her phone is, like, less than 20% as they, like, walk out the door or something. Like, as an aside phone. Yeah. Just, just like, why are you leaving home with 20% battery, girl? 
Yeah, you make sure that is fully charged. Especially if you're not, especially if you're taking mm -hmm. lifts and Ubers around. Like, I'm not driving around with a 20% battery in strangers' cars. I'm driving cars. around with 20% battery in my own car. Yeah. Some other stuff I really liked. My big highlight of the movie was when they get to the second party, which is the murder mystery party hosted by yeah. uh, the theater queers. It was very on brand, very funny. I love that as soon as they walk in the door, Alan is just fully in character still. My husband's dead! It just, like, uh, it was great. I am here for more murder mystery parties. My big downfall with it, or my big negative about the murder mystery party is that it got cut short because they tripped drugs instead of just being at the cool murder mystery party. I did kind of love the weird hallucination that they have, though, where they think that they're dolls and they're examining their doll bodies, and Amy's getting, like, really into it and then you see them leave the party and they're walking like their joints don't bend it's it was very weird but i enjoyed it a lot honestly the it was on one of my big negatives <laughs> oh the fantasy sequences in this movie i noted they're like there's so much but they were so good for me even like when they arrive at nick's party and molly has this whole fantasy sequence where they're doing like a contemporary dance to like this you know, soft hip hop song and like the room is empty and it's just them. And then everything comes back. It's like, okay, I loved that, but it was weird. I really liked the, the idea that they were given these two characters because two people didn't show up to the murder mystery party. And the one is like uh, the farmer. I forget the specifics about the farmer. And then the other one's a barren orthodontist. <laughs> uh, and I really wanted them to like have to play those characters for a while at the party. I thought it would have been hilarious if they were like, wandering around the party looking for the mayor, trying to figure out who knew the address to this party. Uh, but mm -hmm. while they were doing that, like, they were constantly being told, you have to be a character! So they, like, actually have to read through their backstories and, like, pretend to be these characters. Especially because it seemed like Amy was kind of really into it the moment she was like, oh, I get to be this farmer. Oh, what's my backstory? But then Molly really wasn't. And I thought that could have been a great way to introduce more of that wedge between them where Amy kind of wants to stay at this party because she's having actual fun. And mm -hmm. Molly's like, no, we're moving on. I thought that could have been cool if we explored that a bit more. Also, just more murder mystery party. I love the scene where Amy and Molly are just kind of looking around the house and they open the door to the kitchen. And is it Theo is the theater kid? Uh, George. Oh, yes. But his family is like, oh, is everything done? And he goes, no, I have the house until 11. And his little sister, like, flips him the bird. He's like, he's at an 11 the whole time. And it's very great. He's a good character. Oh, the very beginning scene where they're, like, in front of their class. Like, the theater department's putting on Shakespeare in the parking lot uh, this summer. Uh, it's something that I did last summer when I was in Barcelona. <laughs> and just the way he says it constantly. Like, yeah. Barcelona. It's great. Noah Galvin is a wonderful actor. I really like him in everything I've seen him in. I felt like that um, emphasis on Barcelona was a reference to something else that I've seen, but I can't quite put my finger on what it was. I think I've seen that in something else, too. I know it's just, like, generally a meme of the person who spends one year abroad and just, yeah. like, thinks they're from Spain now and just yeah. like talks like that. Everyone had a really good like impression scene I thought in this movie. Like the first scene you meet everyone, you really get like hit on the head quickly with like this is this character, which for a movie that spends almost all our time with two characters, a lot of the side characters have to be set up really quickly like that, and I thought they did a really good job of setting up all these various high schoolers. Mm -hmm. I when they go to the pizza place and they 
get in the car with the pizza guy and, and they demand that he tells them like where he's been delivering all of these pizzas. Like the description of the potential abduction scenario, I was like, wow, this guy has put a lot of thought into this. And then at the end, when you find out that he's actually wanted as the Valley Strangler or something, I was like, oh, okay. There's a lot of really good threads through this movie. When I actually watched it twice myself and pretty much right at the beginning when Amy and Molly are talking, they set up all of the things that are going to happen, including like somebody getting arrested at the party, which Amy does. And just like all of the little things I was like, Oh, they're basically telling us exactly what's going to happen in the movie. But of course you don't realize that on your first watch. For me, a lot, well, a lot of the characters, like I really liked them. I found a lot of them very, very unrelatable as like authentic high schoolers. Very few people in this movie came across as like, that's a person in high school that, like, seems like they're in high school. But for me, Amy, honestly, like, really helped ground this movie. I thought Amy as a character was incredibly relatable, grounded, well-rounded, super authentic. Like, she just seemed like someone you would see if you, like, walked into a high school today. I really liked just her earnestness, her, like, her kind of innocence, not really quite knowing herself and all that, but just watching her struggle through that it was very relatable. The whole idea that... She is not quite sure how to approach a girl or even what she would do after she did uh, a lot of this nervousness around sex, because obviously that's not something that queer people are taught anything about in Mm -hmm. schools. Having to deal with a well-meaning best friend who is straight and never quite gets it, even though she really does try her best. Her awkward parents who don't quite know what to do either. It all really painted like a very round picture of this character that I thought brought a lot of the heart and earnestness to this movie. And honestly, I didn't quite get the same from Molly. Like, she definitely seemed a little bit more of a caricature to me, like a super bad type character that's just a little bit more of a farce than a real person at times. There was like a lot of heart there, especially in one-on-one scenes. I thought it was really good. But for me, it didn't quite toe the line perfectly between like a SNL skit character and like a more realistic depiction of a high schooler. Yeah, I find... In general, at least in recent movies, hard to identify with teenage. I mean, I graduated high school in 2005. I graduated university in 2013. Like, I haven't been in school with people for a while. So, I don't know if that's, like, realistic or not semi-realistic with respect to teens in the current age. I don't know, because it's just outside of the zone of relatability for me just because of my age. But, I mean, Amy... Sorry, not Amy. Molly is, like, definitely a character that exists. You know, somebody who's type A, hyper-focused, definitely. She's also 45. (laughs) Like, the way she acts and talks, like, is trying to give, like, a caricature of a type A. Like, like I get the Rachel Berry type character, but for me, Rachel Berry always still seemed like an over-eager theater kid, high schooler, type A. Whereas she seemed like, I don't know, like, and maybe you're right, maybe that kind of person definitely does exist in high school but she just seemed to carry herself and talk and act not like she was trying to be older than she was but almost like she was older than she was if that makes sense like it didn't come off as like she was trying to put on an air of being way more mature than she really is but failing at it she just seemed more mature than everyone else around her Mm -hmm. it was it was almost there for me kind of i know she's a theater actress and it gave me a lot of theater vibes with like some jazz hands. Like it was acting for the back rows in a lot of scenes. Fair enough. 
I really liked the grad scene and the ending in general. I really liked uh, it had a lot of heart as much as I like kind of wavered through a lot of the movie. I thought it wrapped everything up really well. I love a classic high school graduation scene. Uh, it was like the awkward stalling because our, our heroes aren't quite here yet. They're going to come in at the last minute, rip it around the corner in the car that we have seen from earlier. Uh, we're going to throw out our old speech that's all stuffy, and we're just going to give an impromptu one about all the things I've learned over the past 24 hours. I'm going to kiss this boy. We're going to have some great rockin' music. Uh, we're all going to throw our caps in the air. And it was just like, it gave me classic high school movie vibes. I feel like we have to acknowledge the fact that the plate on Jared's car, which is this audaciously painted Corvette, I think, is fuckboy. Which is so contrary to his whole character and honestly just makes me laugh. So yeah. you have these two girls who are speeding through the fence to grad and you get a close up of this. This license plate is just really funny to me. Well, he and Molly really are made for each other in that way. They're both like really trying to put on to the world who they are. Mm -hmm. That doesn't seem to quite be accurate to who they are in a lot of ways. Um, I did love the the end scene too with Molly and Amy at the airport. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I cried a little bit. I definitely can understand how difficult it would be to say goodbye to somebody that you see and spend a lot of time with for an extended period of time, like a whole year. Also knowing that, you know, when they get back that you're going to be going to schools that are in different states like you know big distances there and how much your life can diverge in that time so yeah it was good and i liked that mm -hmm. you know there's sort of like this willingness to be the last person on the plane so she can have pancakes with her best friend you know one last time so it was a good ending uh, it was a cute very ending emotionally resonant for me. I also loved the little video when Amy gets arrested at the party uh, because she's creating a diversion for everybody else. Like all the jokes that she's making with the cops. They're taking her out. She's like, oh, I call shotgun. She goes, haha, just kidding. I don't have one. <laughs> and just like all of these little jives. And it was just like a really good moment for her to have some comedic uh, elements since a lot of the movie is her being relatively serious, I would say. So what were some things that you didn't like since you clearly have a list? Yeah. So for me, like I said, I like a lot of the individual parts. I like a lot of the characters. For me, some of the connective tissue was like a lot of where I had a lot of most of my issues. Like all the, the, the scenes at the parties were pretty good, but kind of getting between the parties is where I kind of lost interest a lot of the time. Just a little bit of the flow got lost for me there. The big three I would point out would be some of the scenes like the the one where they take the, the lift and it's their principal was just so awkward and it felt like out of an SNL movie for me where they're accidentally, they're, they're like watching some porn in the back seat because Amy's not quite sure how sex works with a girl. So they watch some porn in the back seat and then their principal says, oh, hey, let's turn your music on. And all of a sudden there's just like this loud awful noise of like some sex happening on the car radio and it's joke because he thinks it's cardi b <laughs> he's out of touch and it's all just like out of a bridesmaids movie or something and it's just like ugh, i hated it <laughs> i think he understands what it is and he kind of is trying to save the situation by asking if it's cardi b but I yeah. agree that the whole situation is very awkward. It was not it's just like very comfortable to watch. And I didn't really care for Jason Sudeikis at all, really. Like, I don't really love the trope of, like, the 
a school administrator who basically just isn't interested in doing their job. I don't think any of the adults worked for me in this movie, really at all. I didn't even really like the... I did like Jessica <sighs> Williams, but... I had problems with Miss Fine because didn't super seem realistic to me in a lot of ways. The whole idea that she's going to hook up with this person she's a teacher for because it's okay, he's failed a few years so he's 20 it's like eh, i don't know they didn't do anything with it it was just like it was weird it just didn't seem to have yeah. a purpose and then she's like so nice to these two girls in like a this is crossing boundaries ways she gives them their phone number picks them up when they call her lets them loot her clothes to wear to this party and is like super invested in a lot of things and it's just it started to you know those teacher student lines are getting blurry yeah i did like jessica williams in this movie but i agree that a a lot of the things that happened with her character felt very weird, especially her hooking up with a student, even though he's 20, like he's still her student until he's not her student. He's in her class. It's not even like a different class. <laughs> and even just like the fact that he was her student at any point in time, like if it was well after he graduated, okay, fine. But the particulars of how it worked out. And then it was just like a thing that happened. And she was like, okay, have fun at Google next year. Like, bye. It was, yeah, it so was So the scene weird. where she picks the girls up was a little weird for me as well. And the scene with the pizza guy also felt like it was out of a, some sort of Andy Samberg SNL movie that I would hate. It was just so farcical in a way that like, I didn't laugh. It was just like, he's describing all these horrible things he could do to these two girls who just foolishly broke in with like underwear on their heads to like pretend or stockings or whatever to like it was their hair pulled oh, over that's and right. tied around that's their right. faces that's right. i skipped it the second time i'm not gonna lie i forgot that yeah it, it's really dumb it's just dumb but i didn't find it dumb in a fun way personally it was just like ugh, let's just get to the next party which is what i felt like about a lot of these scenes uh and then the other scene that didn't work for me was the drug trip scene just because again it felt like out of a different movie uh i felt like we could have cut that and literally nothing would have been lost. It had no purpose in the movie. Like, it didn't forward a character. It didn't tell us anything about a character. It wasn't even that funny to me. So it was just like, eh, we can cut this and just get to the next party faster. Spend more time at this party, even. Just like, drugs are funny, I guess. Drugs. High school movies have to have drugs. I do agree that it is, like, the doll scene is probably something that I would enjoy less and less if I watched the movie multiple times. Like, it was fun the first time. The second time, I still thought it was a good scene, but I didn't think it was as funny the second time. So I think it's definitely something that could wear. And also agree that if you cut it, that nothing really would have been lost. Like, you could have had the girls yeah. tripping on the drug that Gigi gave them and not had this weird fantasy thing and just like it would have been fine or Gigi could have lied about drugging yeah, them and that would have been better they could have like if, if we're gonna do a drug trip scene it's been done in these movies so many times there's always a scene where the straight laced uh a-type people accidentally take some drugs oh no we're tripping and this didn't do anything new with that really so i don't know if there was something some other reason for it maybe if like, I think it would have been funny if they actually didn't have any drugs and then just like started going out of their minds thinking they did would tell us a lot. It might tell us a lot about the characters even. Especially because we get that uh, scene when they're in Jared's car where they find the tin of Gigi's vitamins and they think that it's yeah, and they think it's cocaine and then they find out that it is actually just vitamins that are ground up because she thinks they work better that way. So since she doesn't actually use drugs, although it does seem like she's smoking pot when they're on the boat like for 
her to not have actually drugged them would make the most sense, sort of given what we had already known about her. And my last couple things on my list, uh, I thought it was a, a bit tiring to see our two gay stereotypes not really ever have anything apart from that to do or move past that at all. They kind of end the movie by cheering for our people on stage were going, yes, queen, and stuff, and it was like, um, they just didn't get to do anything else the whole movie, and I thought that was a little unfortunate. Like, I, I thought both of them, like, nailed their parts and were really funny, but script-wise, like, we could have given them a bit more than just were the gay ones, especially if the movie is all about, like, this is what you see on the surface versus this is what else is beneath that. So, like, it could have been good to have a scene or two about them and, like, what's going on with them behind the scenes apart from this. Yeah, the depictions of queer characters in the movie between Amy and her eventual love interest, Hope, the girl with the fringe jacket, and, like, the theater gaze is very different because you've got, you know, your very flamboyant sort of femme male yeah. gaze. And then you've got your sort of, like, butch-esque, like, female gaze. So it's, like, from one end of the scale to the other. Yeah. And, like, nothing in between. Well, it was kind of interesting with Ryan how, like, she, Amy and Molly kind of assumed she might be into girls based on just gender presentation alone. And we're never really confirmed mm -hmm. with that, but she has seen kissing Molly's love interest for a while, Nick. And it was just like that. We assumed one thing. Oh, nope, maybe not. And it would have been nice to have some sort of twist or like some sort of realization to come about some of the other characters like that. Uh, if there was something more to, to Alan and George there. I did like Hope and Amy. Their awkward sex scene in the bathroom wasn't my favorite. Not gonna lie. Again, I'm not a huge fan of awkward humor, uh, but I like their little scene in the end where they kind of have a little spark of like, maybe we can meet each other again because I'm going to go backpacking and you're going to be over there and maybe we'll meet up and just like having that little spark and mm -hmm. they seem nice. I would have liked, uh, I also wrote down apart from them, I also would have liked a little bit more about AAA and Hope who really only get their prominent scenes at the very end of the movie and then, like, one quick scene at the beginning of the movie. I don't mean, like, Hope has, like, one line at the beginning, I think. Uh, for them to be set up a little yeah. bit more at the beginning so that there's more of them throughout, more payoff at the end would have been nice. I don't know. I think we got, like, an okay setup for AAA because we get the conversation that they have yeah. in the bathroom and... You know, the, the bit in the classroom, and then you get, you know, the good scene at the end. I think a, a rule of three just could have worked nice AAA. Like, if we see her one more time in the middle somewhere, maybe if they even mention, like, oh, maybe we could call her for a ride or something, and then Molly's, like, not into it. Or, like, I don't know. She seemed like a pretty important part at the end, and just, like, if her and Molly had a few more interactions, I think that could have strengthened that storyline more. Yeah, I think given... The fact that it's really about, you know, Amy and Molly trying to deal with the fact that they have, like, no experience outside of their academic experience, per the title of the movie, that, you know, fitting a lot of extra stuff for all of these other characters would have felt awkward if it was not done yeah. well. But I understand, what you're, I understand where you're coming from. For me, all the highlights of the movie and the most effective scenes are where our two main characters were having their viewpoints widened by finally getting to know these people they hadn't for so long. So I think that's really where the movie shined for me. So I just kind of wanted more of that because like every time we have mm -hmm. one of these characters, side characters like has like a big scene, those were always my favorite. It was definitely about Molly and Amy, but it was also about them figuring out if they 
who they are without each other and besides each other. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like, the, a lot of stuff in here is working for me. I think just, like, a script pass, a little bit of cutting, not much. It's just my main issues. And then again, it's just not like I'm not a teenage girl coming of age. So this is obviously not a bang on direct movie target me, which is fine. That's fair. So where would you put this on our ketchup scale? Perfect as is, could use ketchup or douse it? Uh, I'd put this firmly. I could use ketchup. I thought it was a really good first showing from Olivia Wilde's directorial debut for sure, but it wasn't like by any means a perfect movie for me. Uh, I put it in perfect as is for me. Like there, you mentioned there's, you know, a few small changes, but I overall really enjoyed the movie and I had a lot of fun both times that I watched it. And I agree, you know, strong debut for Olivia Wilde and I'm interested in seeing what kind of projects she's going to do in the future. That's it for us this episode. Join us again next time for a double feature discussion of When Harry Met Sally and P.S. I Love You. Consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so that other people can find our show. Your review may land you a shout out in a future episode. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at MovieCatchUpPod for episode updates and other news. Our intro music is Blackjack and our outro music is Candy Hands. All music is provided by ArchesAudio.com. 